0: Hi, I'm Dan Primack, host of Axios Recap, and welcome to another special Axios Election 2020 podcast. What we're watching right now is how Donald Trump may have won even if he loses. We're joined now by Axios co-founder and CEO Jim VandeHei. So Jim, we still don't know who is going to win the White House, but you make an argument in a newsletter this morning that win or lose Donald Trump in the last 24 hours has solidified his grip on the GOP. Can you unpack that a bit, explain what you mean?
1: Yeah, I can't stress enough how much more powerful today he is even in defeat if he were to lose than he was 24 or 48 hours ago. And the reason is not only did he defy expectations for himself, that he basically expanded the electorate, did better with Hispanics, did better with women, brought all these new people in, in rural America. Not only do that for himself, but look at how many House Republicans won that didn't think they would win. And Donald Trump was the only one saying they had a chance to win back the House. They were certain they were going to lose the Senate, and they didn't. And so now he stands here, even if he were to lose, not only just the titular head of the party, he'll be seen almost as a prophet. That he just sees something in the Republican Party that most Republicans don't see. And he's not going to surrender that power. He's going to use that power to basically demand allegiance as he takes this thing all the way to the Supreme Court, if he can. If he protests the results of this for potentially days, weeks, in months, he's going to expect total loyalty. He's going to get total loyalty. There's nobody in the establishment that has his power, that has his reach, that has his popularity. So now, even in a narrow defeat, he's probably going to end up the presidential candidate with the second most votes in the history of America. He brought in more people than he brought in in 2016. There's no way he's just going to say, you know what, I have all that power. I have this big Twitter feed. I have an ability to command the national dialogue. And he's just going to go golfing. He's just not going to do that. He was never going to do it. But now he could do that. He could have almost a de facto government in waiting. We've heard from his aides already that if he were to lose, he's going to signal that he would run again. And so he's not going anywhere either way.
0: It seems to me every time an election ends, and granted, we are still far from this particular one ending, but every time an election ends and there's kind of an autopsy done by the losing party, it sometimes seems to become premature, right? Is it possible that when you're thinking about this, that this is too soon to really know how we play out? I'm skeptical that it's
1: too soon, largely because Donald Trump had been talking about this well in advance, that if he were to lose, that he still wants to remain a massive figure in media and politics. And now this gives him the standing to do it. And remember, it does appear that at least in Florida and Texas and some other pockets, he was able to do even better with the Hispanic vote. He was able to do even better with some women, including some suburban women in some surprising areas. So he's going to be able to make the argument that I'm not just the guy for the working class white man. I was able to expand the tent in a way people didn't think was possible. So follow me and listen to me. And Yes, he's, you know, 72, 73 years old, but in his mind, a young 72, 73, and he does not want to leave the national stage. He's not going to leave in defeat very easily. He will exhaust every possible legal, political, social, cultural maneuver that he possibly can to cling to power. There is no way this is going to be pretty.
0: Jim, if this scenario plays out, how do you think that impacts how Biden and Senate Republicans negotiate? Are you arguing that Trump would basically control the Senate GOP and and therefore Biden is essentially negotiating with Trump?
1: Listen, let's assume, play it out that he loses. He's going to lose narrowly. He's going to do way better in many of these states than anybody thought possible in the middle of a pandemic where we've had an economic collapse for a large pocket of the country and where he's done and said things that people thought were unforgivable sins in a political context. And so he's going to take that authority and he'll wield it and people will listen. The Republican Party of old is gone. It is now the Trump Party and McConnell would be part of the Trump Party.
0: Do you not see anybody within the GOP who would look at this and say, this is my moment to try to take control or at least to try to be a serious insurgent?
1: Who? Like who possibly could? Anybody who wants to be an insurgent by definition would have to be different than Donald Trump. Ask John Kasich how that works. Ask Ben Sass how it works in terms of getting a following outside of your own state. There isn't a market for it. At least I haven't seen the market for it. The much more likely scenario is the people waiting in the wings, the Josh Hawley's, the Tom Cotton's, They're going to be Trump-like. They're going to want Trump's blessing. They're going to want Trump's network. They're going to want Trump's sort of magic dust that he's able to use in these presidential elections. And so there isn't anybody that can stand up to Trump. There isn't a figure like a George Bush or a Jeb Bush or a Marco Rubio or a Paul Ryan or a Mitt Romney that has enough of a following to be remotely, remotely within the range of having enough power and authority to be able to sort of stand up to him and shape things in their image versus his.
0: Politicians for years have been talking about two Americas. Is that what we're actually living in now? Is that where we're at? Are we officially in two Americas?
1: I think we've been officially in two Americas for, we could argue, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15 years. And there's no doubt that we are. The question is, are those two Americas becoming increasingly hermetically sealed? Are they so different? Is their ecosystem where they get information so different? Is where they live so different that there's gonna be an inability to co Inability to co ideas, co-mingle politically. That's the danger because both sides can say, I've got half of the country and they just live in different worlds, especially when you get down to the sort of the base instincts of like what it means to be a Trumper versus let's say what it means to be a part of the new left. They're so at odds. There's not much common ground. Ironically, Biden might be kind of some of that common ground because I think he does understand instinctively that you can't just write off the other half of America. You can't start doing things that more than half of America might think are nuts, that you have to figure out some way to pull the pullable people together. And again, if Biden wins and that remains a big if, that is going to be the epic challenge before him. He's
0: going to have to do that admit the coronavirus. Jim, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you, Dan. Big thanks for listening. We'll be back with another Axios election podcast a little bit later today. In the meantime, please be sure to continue checking out Axios.com or the Axios mobile app for the latest news.